Wonderful. So tonight um, I'm going to start a, a new series. Last year we finished a series in the evening uh, on how to overcome evil. And so we did about, I don't know, five or six weeks on that. And I was just praying and asking God what I should preach on next for the evening meetings. Uh, in the mornings we're going through 1 Corinthians. And then I felt God really put on my heart the topic of living in God's abundance. And, uh, but I want to make it very practical. So that's why I've called it How to Live in God's Abundance. How do we do it? Because we can talk about it. Uh, what I've noticed is that sometimes Christians go around making a lot of bold statements but not really living in the truth that they're claiming. So we want to look at what is our inheritance and what, what should we be living in and how do we do it. So I'd really like to encourage you uh, to... In, if you're going to come along to this series, it's probably going to be about six weeks or so. Come to each meeting um, because the truth is going to build sequentially. So if you kind of come now, you come in three weeks' time, you come in another three weeks' time, you're going to get bits and pieces and you'll get nothing out of it. Um, so try and, come, uh, try and come every week and uh, bring your Bible, bring something to take notes on. The reason being is that I really want to encourage you to take the scriptures that are being shared and take the points that I'm making, but more so take the scriptures and go and read them over and ask God to really speak to you. Ask Him for revelation. Ask Him for insight. Because when God speaks to you, that's what brings change in your life. Uh, we can hear this truth being preached and we can walk out of here and think we understand it. But until we actually hear God and it drops from here to here, um, it just kind of rattles around in our head and doesn't, doesn't really make a big difference. So, so what I want to do tonight, uh, looking at how to live in God's abundance, I want to cover two things. So I want to define what abundance actually is, because that's important. And then the second thing I want to look at, what is the source of abundance, which you can probably guess. But we'll have a look at it uh, from the Bible. Uh, so first of all, just defining abundance. Uh, I want to be very clear that this series is not about how to make money or how to become rich. Okay. So if you're here for that reason, you're in the wrong place. Okay. I want to I group some words together. So firstly, riches and wealth and abundance and prosperity. And they're not the same thing. They mean very different things. Riches and wealth and abundance and prosperity. Riches and wealth apply to someone who has a lot of money or possessions. Okay, That's riches and that's wealth. But someone described as having abundance, is, it's a different category. Abundance means you have everything you need plus you have extra that you can give to someone else. That's abundance. Someone who is rich or wealthy has a lot of money or material possessions, but even though they may have millions, they may not have enough for their needs. It means they're not living in abundance. They might have millions of dollars, but they might need more millions because of what they're doing. Amen? So if your need is two million and you have one million, you don't have abundance. You have lack. Okay? Let me put it very simply. Imagine you're going to the grocery store 
and you need to buy, you need to buy $20 worth of food. In your pocket, you have $10. What do you have? Lack. You have lack, okay? Because you need to buy 20, you only have 10. If you go to the shop and you have $20, what do you have? Sufficiency. You have exactly what you need, but you still don't have abundance. If you go to the shop and you have $25, now you've got abundance. And whether you've got a million dollars or $25, you've got abundance if all you need is 20. Amen? So we need to get this right in our head because we're going to look at how do we live in the abundance of God where all our needs are met and we have extra to give to other people. Okay? That's what we're talking about tonight. And that's abundance. Prosperity is also something different. Prosperity, prosper, or prosperous is different. Okay? Prosperity means you are successful. If you prosper in something, you've succeeded. You've done what you wanted to do. Okay? But it doesn't necessarily mean you have a lot of material possessions or wealth. Okay? You can be successful in something and have very little money. You can have a lot of money and have a failed marriage. Amen? You can have billions and have a failed marriage. That's not prosperity. You can have no money and have a successful marriage. That's prosperous. Amen? So we're trying to redefine things here and look at what these words really mean. We're not talking about riches and wealth. We're talking about abundance, prosperity in the Lord. So let's look at how Paul uses the word prosper. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 10, Paul says this, Romans 1 verse 10. He's writing to the church in Rome and he says, Always asking in my prayers that if it is somehow in God's will that I may now at last succeed in coming to you. Now that word succeed is the word prosper. He wants to be prosperous in getting to Rome. And when you look at how he got to Rome, he didn't fly first class. He went as a, as a prisoner on a ship that was shipwrecked. <laughs> and all sorts of crazy things happened. He got bitten by a snake on one of the islands that he got shipwrecked on. They had to throw all the food overboard. But eventually he got to Rome and he's like, that was a successful journey. <laughs> Do you see the difference? Do you see how we think, well, in order to prosper, I've got to go first class. I can't go in cattle class, okay? But that's not what the word means. It's, it's got nothing to do with material wealth. It has to do with being successful in life. And in fact, all where Paul went, revival broke out. Even though he got bitten by the snake on the island, revival broke out on that island. Eh? And he considered that a prosperous journey. So there's a difference between the words abundance and prosperity and rich and wealth. Okay, Riches and wealth. There are many wealthy people, many, in fact, a lot of wealthy people who don't live in abundance. They live in poverty. They live in lack. They might have a lot of money in the bank, 
but there are many other areas of their life where they are absolutely bankrupt. Marriages, family, health, mental state, peace, sleeping well at night, being on medication, being addicted to things, all that kind of thing is all lack. If we're not living in the fullness in every area of our life, we're not living in the abundance of God. And it doesn't mean we need money. This teaching is how we can live in God's abundance in every area of our lives. And we can see that if we look at 3 John chapter 2. And it says this. I'm going to read out of the New American Standard Bible because it just brings it across very clearly in that Bible. It says, Beloved, I pray that in all respects, firstly, in every area, you may prosper and be in good health, second area, just as your soul prospers. So every area, I want you to, I'm praying that you prosper in every area, everything material in your life. I'm praying that you prosper in your health, in your body, your physical body. And I'm praying that you prosper spiritually in your soul. Uh, material, physical, and spiritual. Every aspect of this Christian's life, uh, John is praying for prosperity, for abundance in this person's life. And he's, he's, he's writing to a committed believer in Third John. There's only one chapter. Sorry, it's 3 John verse 2. He's writing to a committed believer called Gaius, okay? And this guy says, John actually says about him, he's walking in all the truth. This is a believer that is walking in the fullness of what God has for him. And John is saying, I'm praying that you prosper in every facet of your life. Not just in one area and have lack in the rest, but every area God wants us to prosper in. He wants us to abound materially, physically, and spiritually. So let's ask ourselves, how's my health? Do I have good health and energy to help others? That's abundance. Abundance is when we've got enough for ourselves, plus we have energy to help others. How's my marriage? Is my marriage fruitful to the point that I'm enjoying my marriage and I'm able to help someone else. That's abundance. Sufficiency is, hey, I've got a great marriage with Jen, but we don't have time for anyone else. We don't have any advice to give anyone else. We cannot help anyone else. Abundance is when, yes, I have what I need in this marriage, plus I've got something else to give to others. There's an overflow into other people's lives. That's abundance. Stress levels in your life? Are you struggling to cope with your life, let alone help someone else? <laughs> Abundance is when we, we are uh, coping with our own pressures, plus we can help other people and bear their burdens as well. How's our house, our home? 
Are we capable of hosting someone or having somebody around for dinner? Do we have abundance in our home? Or is it just our home is chaotic and it's like we barely can have dinner at our home. But have we got enough for someone else? You know, that's abundance. How are my friendships? Are they healthy? Do I have the capacity to make a new friend? Or am I in my little clique? I've got everything I need, but no one else can break into this. That's not abundance. That maybe is sufficiency at best, but it's not abundance. Abundance is, hey, I've got some friends, but I'm able to reach out and bring someone else into my friendship circle. How's, how's our generosity? Are we able to give? Do you know that the Bible says, give to everyone who asks? Now you might See, if we don't have a revelation of this, we'll never understand it. How can I give to everyone? What if I walk down the road and someone says to me, hey, please, can you give me some money? I give it to him. I take two steps. There's another guy. Hey, can you give me some money? I give to him. Two steps later, there's another guy. How can I give to everyone who asks? That's what the Scripture says. We need a revelation of how do we live out of the abundance of God. When we understand that, we'll understand that our source is unlimited. And when we can tap into that, we can give and give and give and give and never, ever, ever lack. That's what we're talking about here. We're talking about something that is supernatural. It cannot be understood with a natural carnal mind. We need a revelation of this. How's our generosity? See, living a stingy life isn't a life of abundance. Abundance never gives the minimum required. <laughs> abundance is more than what was required. It's, it's lavish. It's over the top. It's overflowing. Someone says, you know, I mean, the Scripture says, if someone asks you for your coat, you give them, I don't know what else, you give them something else as well. I forgot. What the, you give them your shoes as well. That's abundance. You know, someone says walk a mile, you walk two miles with the guy. That's living in abundance. Living in sufficiency or stinginess or lack is uh, someone says walk a mile with me. Well, I'm busy, you know. I can go halfway with you. That's good enough, isn't it? That's not the abundance of God. And if we are going to reflect as God's uh, people who God is, we have to reflect a God of abundance, not a God of limitedness, not a God of I go halfway with you, but that's as far as I'm willing to go, but a God of abundance, a God of overflow, a God of lavishness. That's the God that we are to reflect as believers. What about the opposite of abundance and prosper? If prosperity has to do with success, well, then the opposite of prosperity is failure. That's the opposite. If abundance is having everything you need and more, then the opposite of abundance is lack or frustration. That's the opposite. If we don't live in the abundance of God, we are going to live in lack. If we don't live in the abundance of God, we are going to live in failure. We are not going to be able to do what God wants us to do. That's, that's biblical. That's scriptural. 
And the, the amazing thing is this. The Bible gives us an incredible example of someone who lived an abundant life. And it's not Solomon. It's Jesus. Jesus lived the most abundant life you will ever see in all of creation. <laughs> and he never owned a home. He never had a bank account. He never had a big bank account. I know he had a money, a money chest. But here's the thing. He always had everything he needed and more. Always. There were 5,000 people. They were hungry. What happened? A little boy came up with a lunchbox and gave him five loaves and two fish. And what did Jesus say? Thank you, Lord, for providing. Abundance. Not, I need 5,000 loaves and I need, you know, 10,000 fish. And we need this, that, that, and the next thing. Where are we going to get this? We've only got this tiny bit. No, God gave him what he needed and he thanked God and 5,000 people were fed. And not only that, but they collected 12 basketfuls of leftovers. Not just they were fed, there was more than what was needed. That's Jesus living in abundance. And he's saying, you and I can live in that kind of abundance as Christians if we will get this truth. But if we don't get this, guess, what, guess where we're going to make our source? Us. And we are limited. And we only have so much money in the bank. And we only have so much food in our cupboard. And we only have so much energy in our bodies. And we only have so much capacity to cope with other people in our own strength. But in God, we can tap into something supernatural. And if we live out of that place, we will live with the overflow, the abundance that God has himself. Whenever Jesus needed something, all he would do is ask his father and his father would provide. It's almost like he came down with the golden credit card of heaven. He might not have had any money, cash money in his thing, but every time he needed something, he just put it on his father's account. And it was always paid in full, and he, everything he needed was always available for him. That's how he lived. So that's defining abundance. The second thing is the source of abundance. If we had to sit down and just consider God, just think about what is God like? One of the adjectives we'd have to use when describing God is that He's abundant. He's a God of abundance. You can never describe God as just being sufficient or being insufficient. You'd never describe God as being almost enough, okay? Or poor or limited, or stingy. Nothing God does is ever like that, ever. Everything about God is huge. It's vast. It's lavish. It's abundant. The Bible says that God lavishes. He lavishes, which means it's like a banquet where, you know, it's like Christmas uh, lunch or whatever. There's so much food there, you're thinking, man, we can't eat all this. That's lavishness. There's way more than what we need. <laughs> and it says, God lavishes unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love Him. 
Just think about that. A thousand generations. Imagine you and I loving a thousand generations. We can't even think back three generations. You know, my parents, my grandparents, my great-grandparents. Do you even have enough love to love three generations? God loves a thousand generations. That's lavishness. Ephesians 3.8 says this. Paul says this. Ephesians 3.8 says, though I am the least deserving of all God's people, He graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures. Endless treasures. You and I have received endless treasures. I mean, it's like standing in a room and there's these treasure chests that go off to the horizon and never end. That's what God has given those who are His. Endless treasures. Not a million treasures. Not a billion treasures. Not a trillion. Endless. <laughs> Amazing, eh? That's lavishness. That's abundance. And, and when you even look at creation, you see abundance. You put a seed in the ground. You don't just get one seed back. You get hundreds. Sometimes you get thousands of seeds. I saw this one documentary on the sardine run. And it's like, when the sardines come, the one shoal can be seven kilometers long. That's like from here to, I don't know where, Joe's house maybe. But imagine trillions and trillions of fish, little fish. And it's like God's provided that. And all these bigger fish are eating these sardines. Man, they don't just have to go, gee, I hope the sardines come past me. It's like when they run into that shoal, there's just lavishness. The provision of God is overboard. Trillions. When, when God created grass, do you know, he didn't just sit down and think, oh, you know, we need like green grass to be good. Let me, let me just think. I mean, let me, um, let me just step out of the box here. I'll make a few different types. Maybe I'll make 10 different types of grass. I mean, I can't even think. What would 10 different types of grass look like? Is this green and Maybe a longer one, a shorter one, a wider one. I mean, how many different types of grass can you make? 12,000. There are over 12,000 species of grass from God. That's lavishness. That's, that's like over the top. Why do we need 12,000? Because God is lavish. He's not just a God of, hey, uh, all I could think of was 10 different species. He, it's just, he could have gone on, he probably could have gone on and made a million different types of grass. But I mean, we don't need a million. <laughs> 12,000 is more than enough. Eh? That's God. He is abundant. He is lavish. And I said earlier, you know, I don't know what your motivation was to be here tonight. Maybe you thought you were going to make some money. <laughs> or you thought maybe this is something I'd like to know about. Something interesting. Sounds pretty interesting. Well, come along. Sounds good. But here's the thing I want us to know is that this isn't just something that sounds good. This is something we absolutely, desperately need to know. We've got to grip this truth. Because, the, yes, God is lavish. God is abundance. But without God, guess what? We are in abject poverty. We are in total lack. But yet we live like we don't need God. 
I mentioned uh, last week or the week before, we live like a shopping trolley. We come running into God's presence, piling in a few things, then we think we can go. No, Jesus says it's like a branch. We're connected to Him all the time. We have everything we need at any time. If we need more sap from the vine, it's there. It's available. That's living in the abundance of God. <laughs> We've got to have a revelation. As much as we need a revelation of the abundance of God, we need a revelation of how broken we are without God. We have to understand that. Jeremiah chapter 30, verses 12, it paints a, a, a very vivid picture of the desperate state of humans outside of God. Jeremiah 30, verse 12 to 14. And God is speaking to Israel through the prophet Jeremiah. And, and Jeremiah prophesies this, and he says, this is what the Lord says. This is, he says, Israel, this is actually what's going on in your life. Your injury is incurable, a terrible wound. You're in trouble, and there is no one to help you or to bind up your injury. No medicine can heal you. All your lovers, your allies have left you and don't care about you anymore. I have wounded you cruelly as though you were an enemy, for your sins are many and your guilt is great. And so God is saying, you're in trouble. You have an incurable wound that no one can help you with, that no medicine can fix. And this is us outside of Jesus. We are in desperate need. We have an incurable wound because of sin, and we have absolute lack and absolute poverty, and there is no one that we can turn to for help. All our allies have gone. All our friends have gone. No medicine in the world can fix us. Nothing else other than God can actually save us from the desperate place that we're in. Outside of God, there is only lack, desperation, failure, and need. I remember reading a book a while ago about this guy that, that went to hell. It's called 23 Minutes in Hell. And he's one of the most humble men that I've ever, I mean, I've watched some of his uh, YouTube videos. And uh, he, he truly is one of the most humble people, if not the most humble person I've ever seen in my life. And, but he said, here's the thing. He said, in hell, it's like God is removed. And there is absolute lack, need, desperation. While we're living here on earth, we are enjoying the common grace of God that has been freely given. We get up in the morning, there's a sunrise. Even the wicked see a sunrise. Even the wicked breathe air. This guy was saying, in hell, it's like every breath you take, you are gasping for oxygen because there's not enough. But you can't die. And so you're fighting, fighting, fighting for breath every single breath you take because there's lack. There's no abundance because God's not there. It's terrible. That's what it is to live without God. And we think we have the means to sustain ourselves. We are deceived if we think that. If we think we have the means to live without God, to keep ourselves alive, we're absolutely deceived. I heard this uh, joke, I'll lighten the mood a bit. <laughs> I heard this joke about these scientists who got so clever. They came to God one day and they said, you know what, we have, we have really nailed this thing of cloning. We are like experts at it. 
We've become so good at cloning, we can make a human being out of clay. So God's like, really? So well, let's have a competition. So the scientists are like, no problem. We'll, we'll do it first, right? And so what happens is they get to their tables, they line up, and the scientists are about to start, and God says, hey, hang on a minute. Get your own clay. <laughs> and they're like, mm, okay. <laughs> we, we have lack. When we don't have God, we've got nothing. We've got nothing to even start with because He made everything. <laughs> we cannot live without God. And then if you carry on reading in Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah goes on to say in chapter 31, which is the next chapter, he goes on to talk about God is going to make a new covenant with you. This is your situation. You have an incurable wound. No one can heal you, but I'm going to make a new covenant with you. I'm going to heal that fatal wound of you, yours. And that is the good news that we preach today. The new covenant that God makes with us, with those who believe. That's the promise of salvation. Where God will heal that wound and He'll make provision for every area. Everything we need in life, God has promised to make provision for. See, what God has planned for His people goes way beyond just having our sins forgiven. In, in Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 6, Jeremiah 33, verse 6, I'm reading from the ESV here. Jeremiah prophesies, and he's saying, this is what God says to Israel. He says, so he says, I'm going to give you a new covenant, and then three chapters later, or two chapters later, this is what God is saying. I will heal them and reveal to them abundance of prosperity and security so this is something god has to reveal to us it's not something we can sit down and figure out in our own logical minds it's something god has to reveal into our lives not only will god heal that incurable wound but he says he will reveal to us what it is to live in abundance how we can live in the abundance of god not just have oh i've got my i've got my wound healed praise god i you know I've had sin dealt with, but God's saying, okay, I'm going to deal with that, but I want you to live in fullness, in abundance. It's something that we can only receive through revelation. I really believe that as I've been praying uh, into this series and praying for you, that this is something that God wants, wants to teach us. He wants us as a local church to live in abundance so that the world looks at us and goes, Jeepers, what's going on in your guy's life? You're living in abundance. There's an overflow. How do you do it? I honestly believe that's what God wants. He wants to show us the purpose of the new covenant. He wants to heal us. He wants to give us revelation. And He wants us to live in abundance. John 10, verse 9 and 10. John 10, verse 9 and 10. I'm going to wrap it up with this. Jesus said this. He said, yes, I'm the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. And in other versions, it reads like this. It says, Jesus said, I have come that they may have life 
and life abundantly. Not just the bare minimum, but to overflow in every area of life. That's what God wants us to do. Jesus has come to make it possible. It's only through Jesus that any of this is possible. This is not a formula. This isn't something that we can go out and we can go, okay, if I apply these truths to my life, I'm going to live in abundance. It's all linked to Jesus. It's all linked to our relationship with Jesus. When we press in on Him, we're going to receive that that life-giving abundance and that overflow from Him, like the vine and us being the branch that's connected in. And then we live in the abundance of God. There is no other alternative. Without Jesus, we would have no other hope because He said He's the gate. There is no other gate. There are not multiple gates out there. There's only one. Jesus said He is the only way to the Father. And so I want to just just end with this and say, have you stepped through this gate of Jesus? Do you believe that He is the gate? Maybe you believe that there's another way. Jesus says, if you come through this gate, you'll be saved. It's not just about a ticket to heaven. It's about every area of our lives. Healing, protection, deliverance, adoption, life, and life in abundance. That's what Jesus is offering. Let's just stand. We're going to close in prayer.